0: What's up, everybody? This is Mike Fitzpatrick with the R3 Podcast. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. I've got a very good uh, friend and uh, father-in-law with me here today. Uh, he is somebody that I have grown to respect over the years. I've been with his, uh, his daughter for for many, many years now. Uh, but he's on a journey himself, and I uh, wanted to get him on the podcast. So, Medi, introduce yourself
1: and uh, kind of tell us who you are. Okay, well, hey everybody. So my name is Medi Alkadiwi. I am um, well. Since Mike uh, Fitzpatrick said it, I am his uh, father-in-law, and I want to th- I want to say thank you to the Triple uh, Three or R Three podcast for welcoming me today. Thank you very much, Mike. Um, so, Medi Alkadiwi, who are you? Well, um, I was born in Paris, France, and uh, quickly immigrated to Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, because the French don't really have this <laughs> English language that. Um, that uh, we're not born with it. So on the mean streets of Ottawa, Ontario is where I learned my English. So you can see that it's very, very uh, uh, street-influenced. Um, after that, at the age of 21, I moved to uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and um, started uh, a family, and um, got my start here, legally, might I say. Yeah. <laughs> in the, in the That's uni- a good disclaimer these days. Yeah, of course. In the United States. Um, So fast forward, I'm sure we'll get into it, but fast forward to right now and today, and I'm proud co-owner and founder of uh, Carevoyance LLC, and it is uh, a company that aims to elevate racket sports everywhere, not just in South Carolina, not just in uh, the southern states or even the U.S., but really globally, and um, that's where we're headed.
0: So tell me, uh, because I know the story, but so tell me what got you... Uh, into racket sports. I know that there was, and, and one thing about this podcast, and and one thing that I want the viewers to always see, is the real and the raw and the relevant yeah. side to to what we're talking about. So the struggles that you went through early on and, and w- coming out of your journalism career. Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me about that. Tell me what got you into racket sports. Was it something that you always wanted to do? Was it something out of necessity? Give me the uh, give me the nitty gritty behind that story.
1: OK, so the disclaimer here is, gentlemen out there, if you are married or in any kind of relationship, if your significant other says something, pay attention to it. And here's why. So, yes, um, I was uh, educated, I guess you could say, as, as a journalist. And I went to college. I studied journalism. And I wanted to be on the radio to yeah. uh, make fantastic announcements. Um, and uh, I guess you could say that I had somewhat of a career um, a junior career in sports and um, I played some tennis I'll refer to it as racket sports really because that's that's really where we are where we're at here um, globally anyways um, and then I became what I call at the, what I called at the time a real person and I decided to join the same lane as everyone else thinking that that was what I needed to do and uh, I Joined a journalism career. I worked here in Myrtle Beach for 13 years for a newspaper company that promptly, uh, because of economics, decided that it was going to reduce its workforce by X number of percentage points. And uh, all of a sudden, my wife and I, who I've been married to for 22 years, Britt el uh found ourselves unemployed. Mm. Um, yeah. So... What in, in what years was that? What what time frame was that? So, for those in the mortgage industry, you'll see that it is um, it, it's it's that two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine uh, year of, uh, of of great collapse that uh, not only were I guess well, let's put it this way, print media was collapsing, and for those of you who are in the know, um, this thing called the internet, yeah started existing, and uh, print media did not react properly. At least most of them did. So they bought a lot of dot-coms, and they wanted to stay ahead of the information curve. And we all know, uh, and this is a great example of this fantastic podcast, Mike, that information will not be controlled. Right. Um, but they tried, and they failed. What happened is uh, people started buying a lot less print media because you see that a news cycle is was 24 hours. Yeah. Uh sometimes 12 12 hours in big in big cities. Yeah. Um so long story short, people were not happy getting their information uh every 24 hours. It had to be quicker. Right. And that was that. So to-
0: So so going from and it was the Sun News that you guys ended up getting getting let go of. Yeah. And then like what what was the time period from there and, and, and when you started getting into racket sports, um, what was that time frame and, and what craziness happened during that time? Like what, what pain did you personally feel during that time?
1: Um, I'm glad to say that I felt no pain. You know why, guys? Because if you actually open your ears and you're receptive to maybe opinions that come from places that you don't think can come from, then you might get to where you think you need to be or think you don't need to be a lot quicker. Basically, the story here is that my spouse suggested I teach tennis. And that was a concept that was so foreign to me. I never saw myself as a teacher. Um, fast forward to today, that's what I'm going to build an entire company on Right, is passing along information. And because um, the teacher, Mike, has so many different definitions. Yep. Right? So my wife suggested, hey, don't you play tennis? And I said, yeah, but that was a long time ago, thinking that I still needed to uh, follow this predetermined path that we all are predetermined and, and just launched upon. Um, and I said, yes, but that was a long time ago. And she said, well, why don't you teach it? And at that point, I did not say no. And I want everybody to stop and think at how we dismiss suggestions every single day and that day for some odd reason i said yes i'll do it not maybe not i'll look into it mike not you jump feet first i didn't even know what i was jumping into i just thought it would be a cool neat idea so i said yes i'll do it Uh, a few weeks later i was um, a certified instructor i started working for the local parks and recs department and um after that, I joined a country club as an assistant tennis professional. Uh 4 years later, I was that club's uh director of swim and tennis and um, the the adventure started from there. I can tell yeah. you the whole time, Mike, that I learned very quickly that I needed to surround myself with people that are so much better than me. Oh yeah. Um and I made a career uh, made a career of it. Yeah, and so like
0: I think that the the biggest part and the thing that that has made me just fall in love and respect you so much is because uh, this this concept of starting over has happened to you multiple times at this point. Sure, right. Um, so like in in that turmoil, and I've seen you go through it since I've been in the picture at least what two or three times at, right. at, at this point. Um, and the whole time, like you're keeping your eye on the prize. And then now you're going through another transition to the company that you're starting. And it's now you put yourself in that transition. Whereas mm-hmm. before you didn't really have a choice. You've been put into that transition multiple times because you didn't have a choice. So tell me like when, when you have been placed in those positions to where you're having to restart, where does your brain go? Like advice wise for somebody that might be struggling right now, that might be having a situation to where they just lost their job, uh, but they have something that they're passionate about and they want to go chase after that thing. Uh, what, what would your advice be? Because you've had to do it multiple times at this point.
1: If the 50 year old me today, the very energetic 50 year old (laughs) would be able to talk to the 22 year old me, it would simply be Trust yourself. What you felt back then is the same as you feel right now. The only difference is that today you have more information. Right. So armed with all this newfound knowledge that I've acquired over um, this second career of mine, there were a lot of things when I think, in retrospect, that felt off, that felt weird but we are we are made to follow the path. Right. And I can I and I can say that we have to follow the path Mike because not all of us are supposed to succeed. Right. And that's a big point with me. Well, so I mean some people
0: are destined to be more worker bees and they're extremely happy doing that. But then there's people that are stuck in that position that are miserable because they feel like they have a greater purpose and they're just not chasing after that greater purpose. But like the, it it all comes down to my, in my opinion, emotional intelligence to know, am I capable of this? Am I not capable of this? And what am I
1: going to do with that information? There's a lot of intelligence that, um, that needs to come. And it's the intelligence is not something I possess, but I like to think that there's an awareness that awakens There's something I've been trying to teach my daughter. It's a simple concept. It's try to figure things out before you need to. Right. And when you think about this, how many times have we said to ourselves, man, I wish I knew then what I know now. Right. And to me, if I have any way of of evaluating any kind of success for myself, um, and myself will come much, much later. But if I'm working with an individual or if I'm even working with a company, there's a level of awareness that needs to come so that I can um, anticipate right. what's going to happen. And uh, there's um, a very famous tennis coach that said something so profound that I'm investigating it. And he said, I'm not here to try to understand what you're saying. I'm here to try to understand what you're thinking. Right. And those are two different things. And that's really what I'm going to build or what this business is uh, built upon.
0: Right. And and it's the same thing as, as, as racket sports or any other sports, sure. you got to have the anticipation gene to mm-hmm. understand, like, is this person now going to rip it down the line? Or are they going to put it on my hands? Or are they going to give me a, like what, what are they about to do? And enough repetition <laughs> and enough emotional intelligence can get you there. It, it it can, it can have you seeing into the future and seeing things that aren't happening yet And 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 from our talks and what we're talking about, like over the last six months, that that is something that your brain is really focused on, which is where is this world going and how can I basically how can I make money off of where the world is going with some of the ideas that I have and the concepts that I that I have put into place. So now now we get into kind of the meat and potatoes of of what your company is, what it's going to do. What your vision is, so uh, cast
1: vision for me on carevoyance and, uh, and tell
0: the world what carevoyance is going to do.
1: All right, so carevoyance was really built out of first, just like everything, um, Need is basically uh, the mother of invention. We, we all know that. Um, I got really tired, Mike, that the first company I worked for In the news industry, uh, laid me off. Right, Medi, you're doing a great job, but we got to let you go. It's just economics. Um, Mike, the second company I worked for, and this was in the racket sports industry. I was the leader of that club. Um, Well, they also had to let me go. Another layoff. Right, Medi, we've sold the club to the homeowners association, and they're gonna they're gonna have to figure out what to do with um, with the club. Well, guess what? We all know that homeowners associations are not in the business of running businesses. And um, unfortunately, that ended. This also happened in my next venture. So this is time number three, where again, I've been promoted from tennis professional to tennis director to even general manager of this club. And all of a sudden, Mehdi, we uh, have sold the club and the new owners will be uh, hands-on managing partners, and therefore, the um, management company that was hired to run the club, we're going to terminate their contract. And once that was done, again, medi was doing a great job, but I was out on the street again. Um, gang, I, if if I have one bit of advice to anyone is once it once you're punched in the face the first time, it's time. It's very very. It's a big time to start asking questions and to react. Uh, for me, it took three times before I got punched <laughs> in the face. Um, I found another position this time with uh, Midtown Athletic Clubs, and really, that's the big leagues of uh, of the tennis industry. Uh, if you're employed as a racket sports manager for Midtown Athletics, um, you might as well say that you've arrived, at least in in this business. And I'll say it without shame: it's it's a fantastic company. Um, but this time, I changed the narrative and. Really, that's a reason why we're even talking. Right. Okay? If there's anything I could say that could help anybody, I really told my family, I even told you, I'm not going to get punched in the face again. Yeah. Okay? I was dismissed three times, and dismissed not for poor performance, but for great performance. There's not a single place that was not better um, when I found it from the time I found it from the time I left it. And um, this time... I punched myself in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I have no shame to say, Mike, and this is, uh, you know, I want to be real. I want to yeah. be, be raw. I don't know about being relevant. We'll figure that out, won't we? Yeah. But I was, I was in a six-figure income position, and I know people have done it before. But until you guys step into your own shoes, guys, and punch yourselves in the face and decide, hey, let's stir stuff up.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: it's, it's that age old saying too of everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And then, and then you start figuring out what somebody's really about. And, and that's, that's the thing is like, without the ability, there's so many people that go through life right now that, that have never been punched in the face. The reality is that we've been in a great economy for probably 15 years. Um, and so there's been a lot of people that, that, that are, Gurus on on Facebook and Instagram and some of these places that that have never been punched in the face. They've never had any kind of turmoil happen in their life. They've never had trauma. They've never had anything happen because either they came from money or they're flexing and making it up and then end up making money because they were they were charismatic enough to get enough people to believe their BS. Um, and I think that that's where you're going to differentiate yourself is your ability to have seen tough times, have seen poor planning, have seen all of these different things that will allow you to interject yourself into a club or into a resort environment that is not performing well and really get them to the next level. So tell me a couple of different ways. Like if a a racket sports club is not doing well, like what are you going to do whenever you come in to change that
1: dynamic in your experience and what has led you to be able to do that. I think my greatest accomplishment is going to be to help a club that is doing extremely well. So I, I am so excited to, uh, start that journey, but let's give you examples of what may not happen at a club that's, that's doing well. Okay. Well, the first thing is programming. What, what is it that they offer and are they offering it to the right person? Right. Uh, We also have, of course, their image, their branding, their marketing. Are they even engaging into a conversation, not only with the people who are doing business with them, we call those members. Right. Um, And then are they engaging with prospects? So that entire process is something that could be looked at. Now, after that, there are some clubs that are fat. And we all know what that means. The books just look atrocious. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are things that need to be looking at. What's our payroll? What's our returns? How much is our per court revenue? Okay. Tennis, in case you, I'm I'm sure you guys know that tennis takes up a ton of real estate. Yeah. And we put four people at most, if it's not kind of a, a learning environment, um, Onto a big piece of real estate. So we have to make a great return. There are some courts that are inside. Now, how do we make a return on that? Right. And, so, and so on and so on. Um, there are so many different ways to help. Right. Um, and then I would even say, hey, clubs out there who, are, who think are doing fantastic. Actually, the club that I just left, they were doing fantastic. We started off after COVID with two part-time coaches Yeah, and me. And we were bringing in what $2,500 a month for nine tennis courts. Oof. That's by the way, if anybody's, if anybody's, if that's your revenue, call me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's unacceptable. Yeah. Um, when I left, we were at $100,000 per month right. um, revenue for nine courts. And I could say that the operation was doing well. But there was half of the operation that needed such such an injection of 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 me. But it um, you I mean you I, you you have shown
0: over and over in this in in the racket sports business that you're able to take a place that's doing okay yes um, and take them to a place to where they're they're actually profitable and and that's the big thing like it, it, it's any kind of business. Um, there's tons of businesses that maintain. Um, and we see businesses all the time that look like they're doing well and they're maintaining very well, but they're barely in the black and they're barely making it. Uh, but they're, they've got a lot of cash flow. They've got a ton of cash flow, but they're, they could be really fat or they've got not a lot of cash flow, but a lot of investors. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to be able to get somebody to a place to where they are cash flow positive and profitable. Otherwise they're going to either get rid of the racket sports, um, or in that environment, or, or it could be something like, like what I do. It, we, there may be a certain product that we do in the mortgage business that is just a loser for us. And we have to dump it eventually because it, it's just not making us any money. Um, and, and having somebody that is evaluating that, that knows what they're looking at is I think pretty rare on the, on the racket sports side, because, it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on the outside looking in, it looks like a lot of the time in these clubs and these these resorts, they've got somebody that kind of oversees everything yep. and they just have the amenities there and they've got somebody that has a decent business acumen that's kind of looking overlooking everything, but doesn't really know, to your point, what to put in place in order to get that piece of the business to go and that's what you're going to provide.
1: Yeah, so to all the owners out there, the one thing I could say is look at your operation and your gatekeeper will call, I have that, I coined that term. The, the gatekeeper is basically the person who controls the flow of many, many things. And this is not the owner. The gatekeeper typically is the tennis director or the racket sports manager. So these are the, the positions that I used to be in. And that holds an incredible responsibility. But one thing that I've noticed that gatekeepers do is cut off information and that is very, very, very dangerous. Typically, club owners will not see that until it's too late. I'll, right. give, you, I'll give you an example. Um, I got a call from the uh, a, a chief operating officer of a club, and he wanted my opinion on something. So get this, guys. He was asking me if this situation was okay. All right, get ready. Brace yourselves. Here we go. Uh, it's going to be a ride. The club had been managed by the same tennis director for the last 15 years. He had brought in uh, some family members, and it, on the surface, looked like it was running well. Um, The yearly revenue was about $300 and some thousand dollars per year. And uh, so we'll break it down. We're looking at about $30,000 or so uh, per month. And um, for, I believe, the 11 courts that they have... That is unacceptable, but over the course of time, it became acceptable and we just move on and Mike bring back, bring this back in a little bit. We'll talk about tennis and racket sports as an amenity, but shelf that for a second. Um, And then he asked me, Mehdi, so we're making about 300 and some thousand dollars a year. Uh, My payroll alone, now payroll, we can add a lot of expenses to this, but payroll alone is four fifty. dollars Wah, wah, wah
0: Yeah, one hundred fifty thousand dollar loss.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and that became acceptable. So this is what I was talking about. You just go about your business, and you think that an area is performing the way it's supposed to be, and so on and so on. And we accept loss as a price of doing business. Uh, my company exists to stop that. Right. Okay. Tennis and racket sports. Actually, I'll bring it up immediately. Tennis and racket sports. Everyone is not. An amenity. If your website lists racket sports um as an amenity, and I'll give you an example. So you'll have the golf tab, and then you'll have the accommodations tab, and then you'll have that next button that annoys me that says amenities, and under amenities you'll have pool and (laughs) right, you'll have the pool, and you'll have the wedding venue, and then you'll have maybe the food and beverage, and then tennis. And rackets is just buried down there after you know housekeeping, um, and housekeeping is a huge part of any resort, anyways. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it, owners, your tennis is a tab in itself. Your racket sports is a tab in itself, and I'm going to bring this to the table right now. Okay, I'm going to say it. It's very controversial. Pickleball, yeah pickleball is on its way to becoming its own tab heck its own website for goodness sake but you see what i'm saying yeah um i'm i'm really tired of seeing tennis and racket sports as an amenity under an obscure tab on people's websites wake up people
0: well and it goes back to that point of the the one guy that's overseeing the whole club the all of the the resort like it's just an amenity, so to your point of that that one guy is hundred and fifty thousand dollar loss, well, but we have to have it because it's an amenity that we that we offer, we have the courts so we we have to have it, but the whole club itself, with everything, is still in the black by a right. million bucks, so that's like right. they're now justifying a hundred and fifty thousand dollar loss because it's just something that they have to have as an amenity because yeah. they have the real estate for it and and that's where you're going to come in and change and flip the script on them because. You're gonna
1: now make that a profit center. Right. There's a there's a lot of things that must be negotiated. And um I've noticed in in all of the time that I've been in, involved in racket sports, and by the way, this this goes back to me working the front desk at a tennis and squash club in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, the Rado Tennis and Squash Club, very prestigious club, working the front desk there um and understanding the business from the youngest age, and why was I working there? Well, guess what? I played tennis, and I figured I was going to pay for lessons. So why not work at that club? I wanted yeah. to surround myself. So I I learned very very early that if I if I wanted to do something, surrounding myself in that environment made a lot of sense. Right. Um, I didn't know why, but it just it just made sense to me.
0: Um, yeah, and and, and the, immersing yourself into something that you have passionate about. Like, and I think it, going back to the beginning of what we were talking about of you being in journalism, but now, uh, have forcibly been transitioned into racket sports because it was a, it was a neat idea. Yeah. Um, uh, but it was something that you had passion for. And, and I think that whenever we look at somebody and what they're doing in life, I think that people lose the, the understanding that even for an instant, you might make less money doing something. But if you bring a I'm sorry to say, if you bring a shit ton of passion to it, you are going to be ten times more successful at something that you have passion for than than something that you don't. And And that comes full circle in what you're talking about, if if you have a, a person that has been relegated to being the head of tennis, at, at a racket sports club that's just an amenity and it's not a forefront and it's not a it's not something that the club is passionate about then they're just going to be like oh well okay well like i just teach the people that come in and it is what it is and and they they may have come into it with a whole lot of passion but then they just get beat down and don't <laughs> don't don't have any passion for it anymore so like when when you're coming in you're, you're not just going to be coming in to like, hey, these are the programs that you have to do. You're going to be coaching the people that are already existing to either coach
1: them out or coach them up, correct? Like, so- oh, My goodness. So people, let's talk about people. We can, yeah. We, yeah, we can, we That'd can four hour podcast. My gosh, we people. could just podcast for the rest of the year to talk about people, you know, people out there. It is it, as exceptional as carevoyance and Mehdi el and Britt el and Mia el and Mike Fitzpatrick, let's name names who care. Um, As exceptional as I must be, as exceptional as I will be, and uh, as exceptional as I continue to strive to be, I'm astounded at the level of just um, uncaring, I guess that's the best way to put it, that I see. Yeah. I've seen it at every level. I've seen uncaring managers. I've seen uncaring, uh, associates. Um, I've even seen uncaring members. Um, and this is very interesting to say, but it it astounds me. And I'll tell you what, um, Caravoyance, this company is built on KPIs. Okay. And, Um, our KPIs are our core values essentially. Yeah. And, uh, carevoyance starts with a K by the way. Uh, why? Because, well, my name has a K in it. So I figured I'd, I'd write care voyance with a K, but it's truly, it comes from the word caring and, um, our KPIs are very simple. They start with care and that's K A R E and then start and then followed by performance and followed by impact. And that's it. Guess what? It's very simple. Yeah. I've cared, and this is my experience. If I ever cared about something, then I performed. And performing means I studied it. I liked it. I loved it. I pursued it. I wanted to do so well in it, whatever it is. Guys and girls, find your it. That's also called finding your why, right? Um, So if we care about something, we will perform. And then when we perform, guess what? We will have an impact. It's very, very simple. That's how we operate. Um, you don't have to operate that way, but you know, I'm not you, right? Um, not you, Mike. But I'm talking yeah. to our to our listeners. Uh, but definitely be you. Care. See what. See how you perform after you care. I challenge you. Yeah. And then see what kind of impact that has.
0: Yeah, it, it's it, it is astounding, and I think COVID made it even worse from from a people and working perspective. Mm. Um, go back to the office. Yeah. Just how much people don't understand that if they put their best foot forward and work really hard, number one, how much more purpose it gives them in life. And number two, how much more their employer will view them as an asset rather than a liability. If you really look at the dynamic of business and how it's flipped over the last three years, in my opinion, we now are viewing people within our organization as a liability. What are they doing to my balance sheet, and what are they bringing? And so, when you have management flip their thought process to that standpoint, and they're and you to your point, the care comes out of it. Then the employee starts to feel that, and then they lose passion for what they're doing, and and it's it's this weird, like interesting cycle of. Uh, it it, where both sides end up fighting against each other because each side doesn't think that they care about each other. And it's such a, such a problem in business right now because if, if you show somebody that you can, and it's a very fine balance because I'm a manager and I manage a lot of people. It's a very fine balance to show somebody that you care about them without, without some people taking advantage of that. So you have to create boundaries on top of your caring uh, and, and when you have boundaries and, and you' and you have a set of core values to your point, then everybody's operating under the same pretense, under the same flag. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's just really it's been really a weird 36 months of just like standing at a 30,000 mile view and looking around and seeing just the just the weird thought processes that have been born from, not having to go to an office and not having to work and, 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 this isn't just like within my organization, this is all organizations that I'm observing like realtors and, and uh, mortgage people and, and insurance salespeople. Like I, I watch a lot of different people and, and, and like they, uh, people in the management positions were all complaining about the same thing. We can't get people to come back and be passionate about the environment that they're a part of.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, at the associate level, that's one thing. Um, I hope and I, I'm excited to start taking aim at the management level. Um, I've been, I am, I've been a manager uh, many times. And um, I'm, I'm coming for you guys. All you people out there that are just waking up and skimming by. Um, you guys are irritating me. Yeah, and that's true. Well, my company is coming for you. And when your owners wake up and realize that you are just skimming, that you are just taking advantage of a system, that you basically don't really care about whatever mission you're on, then it's time for you to go do something that you care about. Right. It. it this is not a knock on somebody who's burnt out. Okay. I get it. I've been burnt out too. Yeah. Okay. But you, specifically you listening, um, if you're not passionate, passion, that's a, a little bit of a weird term these days. We're actually starting to be told not to be passionate about certain things, but yeah, I'm not going to use that word. If you don't care about what it is you're doing, get out of the way. Yeah. There are probably a bunch of people who are less qualified than you. And I do mean that, less qualified, but because of the way they care, because of the way they approach every single minute of their lives, they will run circles around you. Get out of the way if you don't care. I mean that because if my company is hired to consult at your club, okay, I'm not there to disrupt. I'm not there to uh, ruin people's <laughs> you, lives. You,
0: you're not going to roll in like John Taffert and start yeah.
1: like throwing people across <laughs> bars and stuff. No, but <laughs> I've developed a very keen sense of rooting out nonsense. And it seems like that our world is just full of nonsense right now. Yeah. And um, whatever that is, at least on the racket sports end, uh, it, it will be my job to make sense out of all the nonsense. Yeah. Even if your balance sheet looks good, I will improve it. Yeah. Um, and, and and I think that that, and the journey that I'm on now, now that
0: I turned 30 and I've been in a business almost a decade, I'm, I'm now at a place to where it, it's all about coach up or coach out. Like that is my whole life right now. Yeah. Um, and that's really where I have seen you from looking at, from afar taking a, a place like midtown or, or from $2,500 a month to to hundred grand a month. Um, it's, it's because, and I watched it, I watched you do it. It was coach up or coach out. And there was so many instances where you had the ability and, and the, the tenacity that you were able to get the best out of people and get them to care again. Whereas before they were
1: just going through the motions, well, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit, but it's, it's not out of a lack of humility, but it's just to illustrate that point. It's, um, surround yourself with great people. Yeah. Okay. We were talking about people, but this is a great example. So my first gig as a director, well, I became the boss, I guess you can say it. I, I became the the manager of the person who helped bring me in as an, as an assistant coach. Think about that. Yeah. Um, a very complex personality and it was a very complex, uh, relationship that we had, but it worked. It worked absolutely fantastically well. Fast forward to, uh, windy hill athletic club and it's the the midtown club that I worked for. Um, I was surrounded by a dual double division one men's head coach. Uh, you can imagine the personality there. Um, Two ATP WTA; those are the professional leagues of tennis. Yeah. Um, coaches, um, a brilliant coach who had twenty-three years plus of experience, um, who could basically run seminars himself if he if he had the confidence to do it, um, and all the other coaches that I brought in. By the way, when I left, uh, this was in uh, January of 2023 uh, to form my company. Um, when I left, there were, uh, 10 coaches from what, how many, how many were there when you started two part-times Wow! and myself, and I left, uh, with 10 coaches and, uh, seven of them full-time that says a lot. Yeah. That says a lot. When you have more coaches than you have courts and those wonderful people can earn a living that says something. Yeah. Um, I'm not the most important cog in the, in, in that whole operation. I never will be. Um, but it, it's like
0: anything else. It's like with any other business, when somebody enters the business and let's say that, let's say that it's a club that's doing decently well, like you said, yeah. and somebody enters that environment that has had a plan that's tried, true and tested and is, has worked in other places. It just changes the dynamic. It, it, it gets people to be excited about
1: what's going on again. Well, what we know, Michael, what we know about business is that things never stay the same. And if there's anything we can be uh, sure of is that change is inevitable. So it's very important that we understand trends. It's very important that we understand where we were, where we are, and where we are going to be. And that means tomorrow, but that also means next year. And that also means in five to 10 years and so on and so on. I'm not saying you have to have a plan, but you have to be aware. So what's coming up? Well, I said it earlier, you know, you know what's coming up. It's that P word again. Um, And there's so many clubs right now that I know hear the word pickleball
0: and they go, that is not coming to my club.
1: Right. Because your members vehemently oppose it. Well, I did too. And I still would in some cases, case in point, um, I fought to make sure that we did not turn one of our courts, our center court into a, a temporary pickleball court meaning we would put lines down and so on. Um, this is not where the, the business, this is not where the industry should go. Um, this, in, in my opinion, we build and we improve. Yep. And um, it, it will just, it will just uh, make us even more of a highlight. Uh, tennis is growing at a pace, at a certain pace. Pickleball is just weeds right now. Yes, yeah, like mean, the crypto of the racket sports world. <laughs> well,
0: it's not going to collapse. No, now. it's not going to collapse, but <laughs> so, it's, it's it's on fire like what yeah. Bitcoin happened.
1: Yeah, so pickleball was a thing. Then it became a trend. And now is it's just all out. It, it's what I call the Wild West out there. Pickleball yeah. has many different professional leagues. Uh, eventually, with time, that'll wh- whittle down. That'll... That'll make itself... That'll shrink down, of course. Yeah. But right now, the money is starting to flow. Um, it, it hasn't even found itself a business model yet. And here's what I see uh, in the world of pickleball right now is two things. I see where uh, it's been accepted, and it's being built, and uh, it's being monetized. And then, unfortunately, there are many, many clubs out there where, yes, they've decided to build, but... Uh they decided to treat it early on as an amenity yeah. and now they see that it's becoming more than a trend. It's actually a, a just a growing, growing phenomenon, and they're trying to monetize it right now. Uh and they're having a tough time. And they have no idea how to. No, well, they made it free and now yeah. they're trying to make it not free. Right. Um This is where my company can help. Yeah. Uh we will facilitate transitions. Uh, because change is inevitable, of course, so here we go, the p word, the pickleball world. um I actually uh, i I loved it from day one as I love crushing a tennis ball. yeah, I mean, I'm a tennis player myself. well, it's
0: an easier it's an easier point of entry too, like it's not oh my God, you don't have to train for f- three or four years to get good enough to wear it's addicting to get on the court and start winning some matches. Like with pickleball, you can jump on the court and like be fairly athletic and do pretty well at it without much training.
1: Yeah. Pickleball is, is laughing all the way, all the way to, to the statistical bank and to the actual monetary bank right now, because there are uh, 20 plus million tennis players that are, they don't know it yet, but that, they are just slowly training and aging to then enter the pickleball world. Yeah. So that's... I that's, just saw Johnny McEnroe playing
2: yeah, it well, the other day. Johnny <laughs> Mac, Andre,
1: <laughs> Andre Agassi. Um, there there's, there are two tennis players, I think, two pro players that have uh, actually defected. We'll call it defecting because it just adds the drama to it. Yeah. That wah, have, wah, uh, wah. Yeah, they're becoming professional tennis players. I think Jack Sock and Sam Query, both American players have uh, entered the arena. We'll have to edit in like some ominous music after you said oh, that. Oh, let's too. definitely get, get <laughs> ominous. We can be as ominous as we want to, but it's it it's fantastic. You know, in our lifetime, we're going to see many, many things, but the the rise of this pickleball uh, thing that became a trend now, a full-blown phenomenon, uh, we'll see it in our lifetime. Um, and I just thought of something else, 2035, my goodness. We'll have to have a podcast on that. Yeah. You know what's happening in 2035, right? Uh I I know of a couple of things. I know
0: by twenty thirty-five there's a few states that are outlawing the sale of gasoline engines. My goodness.
1: My goodness. Can I get real for a second? Come on.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy.
1: I mean the the kind of stuff, the acceleration (laughs) of
0: and and like we're we're off in in a different land now, but like (laughs) it's it's relevant. Like the kind of things that have happened from a technology standpoint. Just in the last two years, three years, because yeah. the, the remote work thing has become a thing, like the amount of technology that is accelerated from that is is unbelievable. Um, and the amount of people that are trying to monetize podcasts and like, so, so similar to Pickleball, podcasts got really, really big during COVID like, yeah. and, and for two or three years before that. Um, but now there's all these podcasts. The guys were just doing it for fun, but now they're trying to monetize it. Sure. Well, you're kind of late to the game to try to monetize it unless you're really being consistent and you've grown a really large following, but there's guys that have like, like I don't have a ton of views, but um, that would be like me trying to monetize it right now. And I get like seven plays per episode. <laughs> it's just not, it's not worth it. But like on the, the, the podcast side, it's very similar to the igniting of the the pickleball. like, the unfortunate part is there's going to be people that get left behind in the racket sports world. They, like they're just not going to monetize it fast enough. They're not going to have a plan to monetize it fast enough. The club down the street's going to get a program going. That's just way better than anything that they can come up with. Um, and, and they're going to get potentially left behind because they're, well, we've always done it this way type of thing. And and so speak to that too. Like, yeah, it, it, I, you're going to deal in my opinion with a lot of that going into clubs how do you battle the, well, we've always done it this way mentality? What, mm-hmm. what, what are you going to do to inject yourself into that and try to get people
2: to,
1: to come to the dark side? Well, there's, there's really two things that you can probe. Uh, when you look at the establishment, um, you have to start to think, well, what does the establish, establishment react to? Okay, Because we all have our tickle points and our, our um, anger points and our boiling points and our our funny bone points. So yeah. that's my Tickle job. points has to be put <laughs> into your presentation. I like that. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I have to, that's my job to find out. So really coming in without knowing someone, I know that the first thing that will make a business react, well, guess what it is? It's money. Okay. Yeah. So if I, if I can immediately demonstrate the ability to change the fiscal narrative, then, um, I will get, your attention immediately. Yeah. But let's leave that aside because you know what? If we do a good job, i.e., care, if we do a good job, money will flow. Yeah. I have never, ever, ever gone into any venture of mine, even my whole entire life, expecting a nickel or even a dime. Yeah. Okay. I figured out a long time ago that if you do a good job, i.e., care, the compensation will come. Yeah. You don't even have to worry about that. Like I could come into my last job. Really. I remember we were, we were at the point where I received an offer. I really didn't care what the offer was. I was of course, happy to be employed. Yeah. I didn't care what the offer was because I knew that I could, you know, based on the way it was structured, if I cared a little bit, which I don't, I care a whole lot. Um, that, that, the money would come with without even having to think about it. Yeah. So you talk to somebody when you come in, okay, the financials, immediately the financials. But I don't want to talk about financials, you know? But yeah. what I want to talk about are two other P's, is process and people, okay? That's where you can make a big, big impact. Yeah. And the first thing you do is you gotta look at every single person who punches that clock every single day i'm gonna make it's easy mike when you walk into a room when we all walk into a room we start sizing up people and we start seeing okay this and that and we make assumptions and so on okay it's on the racket sport racket sports is no different yeah so people in process immediately what who is doing what how are they doing it how are they delivering the product and then what is the product and is the product even uh, the right product, yeah, for the people who are giving you money, um, or
0: like, is is the the programs that are being put into place even gonna hit in that type of market? Like, are are you putting on things that are actually relevant to the market that you're in? It, 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 there's just so
1: many different ways that it could go wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were talking about uh, racquet sports, tennis, and pickleball being treated as an amenity. You know, I feel like I feel like the all of these uh, processes, we'll say, process people, uh, payroll. Uh, anyways, you see where, where I'm going. I see. Yeah. It feels like sometimes that's treated as an amenity too, just like as a second, like a, a second thought. Uh, yeah. Where well, the golf course and and uh, the membership role will just take care of of tennis. Yeah. Um, no.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: well, I, I'm actually joining a club right now and there it's, it's a, I'm joining for golf. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, well, well, you also get access to our tennis center too. I'm like, that's pretty interesting. Cause I know that that would, uh, that would make my, my father-in-law upset that you just said that to me that way. <laughs> um, and I actually pointed that out to the guy. I was like, Hey, listen, man, like I actually, I'm joining it for golf, but something that's really important for my family and for my wife. Is that the tennis center is accessible because she wants my son to be a part of it? Yeah. So you guys got to stop only opening with with this like that. You're gonna you're gonna potentially turn somebody off because they don't think that you guys take it seriously.
1: It's it's uh, it's important to take every revenue line seriously. Uh, it it astonishes me being having been in so many meetings and so many uh, budget situations where tennis is not a line item. It's not a line that yeah. is taken seriously. Um, you know, if I have, let's say I, my dad owned uh, two restaurants, well, you know, you make your money where you make your money on food, on uh, beverages, yeah. coffee, soft drinks, that kind of a thing. And then you have the smaller margins on other, other things, but that doesn't make them any less important. Right. You know, um, that would
0: be like having a restaurant and you, you have the best drinks in town, but your food is Awful,
1: because you just don't focus a lot of attention on it. You're not going to stay in business very long, right? Well, it's you know we got to figure out. We got to figure it out. COVID was a really, really good indicator. Whoa, we had to socially distance. Bam, racket sports, tennis became uh, just a wildly popular sport. Uh, Pickleball, of course, became wildly popular as well. You know what? What racket sport actually failed, uh, unfortunately, no fault of their own, was squash. Squash just completely took took a slap in the face. Uh, people were playing with masks. I mean, like full face shields trying to play inside a squash court. And, and if you can picture a squash court, yeah. it's a very small enclosure and it has four walls and you you're can, circulating your own air. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, uh, there is no way to socially distance on that sport. So it really took a, a big hit. Um, uh, it's coming back. It's coming back. There's there are proponents uh, for squash. Well,
0: what's becoming more popular right now, golf or pickleball. And that's what's astounding to me is like the fact that more emphasis is not being put into the racket sports side, because golf is arguably getting less and less popular. each well, we, year.
1: my goodness, we talked about real estate a little bit earlier. Think about the implications of, of real estate and golf. Yeah. Uh, We're here in Myrtle Beach, the golf. uh, Is it still the golf capital of the world? I I, I think so. Yeah. So when I lived uh, back in before before we took a hit in 2009. So in uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, Myrtle Beach and the surrounding the Grand Strand area had, I believe, 108 golf courses. And what are we down to now? Like... 30 40 uh, no, it's still higher than that. I think it's still like 50 or 60. Okay. Well, there we go. So in in about a 15 But they count
0: like they count the outliers like the longs and like the some of the well, that,
1: that, yeah. uh, Aberdeen and all that. But you can you can see you can see so we're not making any more real estate. Um, so wow, here comes a long Okay, let's, let's talk numbers really quickly. Here comes along, and it's, guys, I'm going to disclaimer this. I'm a tennis fan. My daughter plays tennis. My yeah. wife plays tennis. Um, and my grandchildren are certainly going to play that sport too. Uh, so it's not, you know, I'm here to elevate racket sports everywhere. And that yeah. includes tennis and pickleball. But we got to address the elephant in the room. Uh, if you look at numbers, okay, you put uh, three tennis courts side by side. Okay, yeah. so in a row. Um, if people are just simply playing, not in a, not in an instructional format, meaning not with a coach and students, but just on a play, that's 12 people. Yeah. If you play doubles, two versus two. Yeah. Um, pickleball on the same real estate, you can put 10 pickleball courts Whew. and, uh, times four. So we are looking at 12 versus 40. Yeah. Now I will say that forty is just from a social standpoint. Yeah. Um, that's if all the courts are filled and people are just having a great time just playing. So in the same real estate space, you'll have twelve tennis players and forty pickleball players in the yeah. same space. Now the next thing you look a lot
0: in at- uh, a lot of clubs do have probably two courts that never get used too that they could make an immediate
1: impact into their club just converting those. Um, I'm gonna stay on. I'm gonna stay say on the record and say that I don't want to see a single tennis court lost to a pickleball court. Um, I'm not. I don't want to see that happen. Probably yeah. because I just have an emotional attachment to <laughs> to, to tennis. Um. And I, I think I have a business attachment to pickleball, but it's all getting all blurry. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So I'd like to stay. I'd like to say that if we if we possibly can, and I understand use and and municipalities, and I understand parks and recreation departments are going to be the biggest. Yeah. Um, the biggest. Uh, I don't want to use the word violator, but the the, the biggest proponent of change. Yeah. Uh, they're they're just going to see. I mean, when you have when you have so many more people that are moving into an area what are you going to do you're going to build pickleball courts you're going to build tennis courts the the math is against the math is against tennis right now yeah um, and so, the tough
0: part to your point is there's probably going to end up being one tennis court and then 18 pickleball courts in new municipalities well
1: we we'll see yeah. we'll see it's um it, the world is changing again uh, yeah. just to my example we're going from gasoline powered vehicles to electric vehicles and soon Unmanned or unpersoned, yeah. <laughs> vehicles, fudge. Um, so, and uh, the same thing on a smaller scale is going to happen to racket sports. We're going to see how tennis and pickleball can coexist. Yeah. And this is why my company exists. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to make the point again that pickleball has not. We don't have an established business model for it. Right. We have three major league uh, organizations that are trying to make it in their own way. We also have or we also have a uh, a system of of teams where celebrities um, have jumped on. Uh, yeah. I can think of Dude Perfect. You know, Dude Perfect. They, yeah. Okay. So Dude Perfect they actually own a pickleball team. Yeah, and that's crazy. Right now they're trying to give it a name. They narrowed it down to f- four names to, to to name their team. Um, so this is, this is, this is happening.
0: Yeah. It reminds cool. me of like the, the whole video gaming yeah. se- set up that, that became exploded during COVID, like all of these professional teams that came about and, yeah. um, but it's, it, it, there's going to be a high and a plateau and then it's going to come down and then it's going to find its rightful place in, a, gotta, in fi- racket yeah. sports.
1: We got to figure it out. And this is, yeah. this is why me and my team exist. Yeah. Okay. We have to figure out trends. We have to stay ahead of them. It's just like I told my daughter: try to figure things out before you need to. Yeah. Um, She has not done that. So.
0: Well, she's fifteen. So. Well, she's (laughs) fifteen.
1: But there we go. But that's this why this is why his daughter is
0: fifteen. I am not married to the fifteen-year-old. Let me just make that clear. That's right. uh, Before people get real weird, (laughs) I am married to the soon-to-be thirty-year-old uh, and have two kids. So
1: let's, uh, let's not get weird on that, that front. Yeah. Two wonder, two wonderful kids too. Yeah. So this guy, I love how everybody looks at me and they're like, "Wow, you're a grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a grandfather. Yeah. Okay. So grandfather's out there, get off the couch. Um, I used to say that I said that get off the couch. I don't know. Did you see that video after I I did my skydiving? Yeah. So, um, so there we are. So what are we looking at, Mike? We're looking at the past. Okay. What can we learn from the past? Okay, um, tennis had its first evolution in the early 1900s. It under it underwent another evolution in the 60s. That's when the uh, what we call the open era began. Yeah, and <clears throat> excuse me, and then the early 80s to the 90s. Whoa, it just was a complete revolution. Why the equipment came in? Yeah. We started training athletes completely differently because um, we noticed what the other countries were doing. Whoa, the USA, U.S. is not number one? What is this? Yeah. Um, the other countries started training differently, so uh, the U.S. the US model, the development model, started uh, becoming a thing, and we started training kids differently and so on. So um, Pickleball has not, to my knowledge, experienced its first true revolution. Yeah. Now, it's undergoing its civil war, it's, yeah. uh, basically is what Who's I am going to rise to the top. Well, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a friendly war happening, an economic war. There's a real estate war happening with pickleball. Um, so it's just, it's just the point of making sense of it. Yeah. And for all those clubs out there, if you are, okay, I got, I have the capital to invest. I have the real estate to invest. I want to, to, uh, you can still get ahead of this phenomenon, by the way, this is not too late. You're yeah. not late to the game. Um, uh, and I'll tell you why you're not late. There's no junior model established. Right. And in terms of revenue for most tennis clubs, the junior revenue line far surpasses the adult revenue line. So let me tell you that if you have not built it yet, um, you haven't, we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg. What lies beneath the water, Mike, is, is unbelievable. And why? Because juniors haven't even entered the picture yet.
0: And, and it's a field of dreams thing right now. Ugh. Because
1: it's so popular, I
0: have full confidence that if you build something, they will come. And when, it, when it's hot like this, it'll be
1: unbelievable for, for most players. Yeah. And it's atomic. It's nuclear fusion. We talked about that the yeah. other day. Um, going back to the past thing, tennis is not a racket sport of the past. It's very current. Yeah. It's, it's very relevant. Um, and there's, it gets more attendance than baseball games. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I can say that the, um, ladies game in tennis far outweighs a lot of other female sports. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a huge plus as well. Um, so tennis, and this is a wake up call to the establishment. Um, it's, it is time not to react, but it is time to reinvent yeah. what, tennis is and what tennis can be um there's nothing wrong with tennis no there are a lot of things that can be made better uh that i think that's that's a topic for another podcast yeah but just to give you an example and i can't help but make the 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 the, um the comparison um pickleball has built entire venues that are now beginning to rival the top golf concept yeah so you're you're marrying chicken and waffles with pickleball and alcohol yeah and you can bring your date to the venue and more uh, more than likely it'll be indoors yeah um for some of them anyways and you can have a grand old time tennis knows none of this. Yeah. Well, um, the
0: crazy part, it, it that's a, that's a, a, a U.S. thing like that we haven't gotten on. There's a lot of European countries that have a scaled down soccer field that's surrounded by tables and bar. And like people go out there and have a great time and it's indoors. And like it, for whatever reason, the U S just hasn't, I don't know if it's a, if it's a real estate thing, they don't want to invest in enough real estate to make these concepts happen. But, um, in Europe, there's a lot of that kind of stuff where they're they're just basically scaling down the sport and then essentially creating an experience around it. This is
1: this is where we you know, on the tennis side. I don't believe they saw it. I, I don't believe they believed it. I don't believe yeah. they saw it coming. Just and it's the reason why I'm even here speaking to you. Uh, I worked for a, a newspaper that printed news. And we picked the news up every morning. They did not anticipate the rise of uh, the sharing of information the way we share it today. They did not anticipate it. They spent their money incorrectly. And now a newspaper that had, just to give you an example with the Sun News here locally, uh, their highest circulation, I believe, was right at 73,000 copies on a Sunday. Uh, I actually saw their circulation numbers. They're down to 20,000. Yeah. printed copies so there has been a very very huge adjustment to and now uh, it's an armory they're building well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now they sell guns which is now open by the way yeah um so there we go so we it's it's very important that we learn to reinvent yeah ourselves
0: and and the cool part about your company carevoyance is that you're keeping an eye on the trends in that regard yeah but you're also not just like all right let me see your your finances let me give you some programming. Like you're, you're also going to approach it from a branding aspect. So if you take tennis or pickleball and like you, you're now going to help that club get awareness to the sport rather than it just being an amenity. So like t- to, to kind of wrap everything up, yeah. we, we, know that we, we know that you're going to be injecting programming that's going to bring the bottom line up. Sure. Uh, but on top of that, with the the day and age that we're in and it was actually something that, that my CEO mentioned the other day is one in four kids say that they want their job to be influencer. So as a business, if you're not also playing that same game and influencing people with social media and with branding, you're going to lose. So tell, tell us to kind of wrap up how your company is going to also do that for clubs Um, and, and then also like finish up with what, what your services look like. Are you flying in? Are you like, are you, are you a la carte? They pick what they want. Like tell, tell us about that to finish up.
1: Your business is unique. And I would say that so are our services. I fully anticipate that every, every time I, I have the immense honor and pleasure to, um, to meet somebody who needs my services that, um, the approach will be absolutely bright eyed and brand new yeah. from the very, very, very start. Um, because every club is different. The demographics are going to be different. The, the physical location is going to be different. Um, the surfaces on which we play racket sports also very wildly and so on and so on and so on. Um, so the approach will be absolutely unique, but one thing that you are, that will happen every single time without fault for better and for better is that, um, uh, if you deal with clairvoyance, you're going to be dealing with me. And, um, I bring all the necessary qualities that I think, um, uh, your business will need. Um, well, actually that I know your business will need let's, let's be real. And, yep. um, This is why I was hired three different times to manage and run three different clubs, um, all of which started here and ended up here. Yeah. Um, And what that means for those who can't see is just in a better place. Um, And then circumstance made it that I got fed up with being dismissed for doing a good job. And here we are. So the services will be the services will be very custom. Yeah. Um so uh, as far as what you need, uh only you know what you need. Now once I once I can come on site, of course I'll I'll be more than happy to come on site, then we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out together. This is not a process, Michael, that will take days. Yeah. Um I can tell you that I can come on your on your premises and property tour for well, depending on your on the size of the property, I can be there for the amount of time that it needs to be there without even looking at your books. Um, if I have just a few words with the people who are delivering your product and be fortunate enough to talk to talk to your leadership, I could probably give you an accurate uh, an accurate look at how well you're performing yeah, uh, and I'll give you a really funny examples. Uh, what do your bathrooms look like? Yeah. This has nothing to do with rocket sports. But it tells a lot about a business. I will go straight to your bathrooms and your restrooms, and I will take a look at what they look like. And I will lift up the toilet toilet seat. I'm sorry, I'm going to be a little raw here. Yeah. We're going to take a look under the, under the layers. We're going to start peeling back some layers and figuring out where it is that I can see dirt. Yeah. Um, you may look clean, but I'm going to find the dirt. And once the dirt is found, we're going to clean it. Yeah, and then everything will improve. Um, and it's actually funny that I even use that comparison, that analogy, um, because I will clean bathrooms. Yeah,
0: like I, really. I I I legit clean my bathrooms every Friday here. Oh, so. Yeah,
1: so I, mean, <laughs> I, I will clean I will clean a toilet. Right. I am never going to be above cleaning a toilet. Yeah, and that just means that you know we're going to get we're going to lead get, by example. It's well, it's it's really not just example and care it's care (laughs) but it's just doing the right thing yeah you know uh it's been used it's been used before if if my team sees me in the trenches they'll probably be more likely to jump in the trenches with me yeah and uh, then we can do it together but that's really what carevoyance is all about we're gonna we're gonna care we're gonna perform we're gonna help you perform and that's just gonna make a lasting impact to uh you to your bottom line to your members and to your future members, uh, your prospects, and then on and on and on, you know, it'd be so awesome if I could just tell you that I'm going to just future proof your organization, but really if you invest and you know, if you invest in your operation and yourself and you hire, uh, someone who truly cares and somebody who's truly competent, we'll, we'll use another C letter. Um, you will see The results that come along with that, you can continue operating as you wish. Yeah. But there's always a bigger fish. There's always somebody who is going to know just a little bit more than you do, and who will partner with you. Yeah. Um. And just it's not about telling you what to do. It's about telling you what you can do. And after that, I said yes to this adventure uh, many, many times. I said yes to my wife, who said I should coach tennis. Well, here we are today. And then one day, I told my wife, "Today's the day." Yeah. And I resigned from my position to start the, uh, the adventure that we're on today, uh, called caravoyance. So it's, um, you know, I started a fantastic journey. I know that my daughter, my kids, my daughters will benefit from it. Maybe my grandchildren will be able to witness. Uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic moment. Whereas a man, you can punch yourself in your own face (laughs) and wake your ass up. Yeah. So I am, uh, Oh man, it feels good to say that. Yeah, um, uh, uh, Mike, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah. and if we have more time, I'm here to answer more questions. But I really really enjoyed getting uh, yeah raw, relevant, and real with you.
0: Yeah, and and to to finish up, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, yeah,
1: how do they do so? What's your email?
0: What's your phone number?
1: Yeah, so you can find Carevoyance on uh, Instagram. You can find Carevoyance, K A R E V O Y A N C E on Facebook. Uh, my website is exactly that www.carevoyance.com. Um, just reach out to Mike, Mike Fitzpatrick. He can connect you to me, but however you want to reach out, of course we're on LinkedIn too. Um, I I'm there, I'm available. Uh, and, uh, uh, I will tell you this. Have you ever called anybody and left a message? Okay. I won't get back to you in 24 hours. I'll get back to you in 12, probably in 30. Yeah. Um, that's. In thirty, 30 minutes. minutes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not thirty hours, but thirty minutes. Uh, if there's something that annoys me is uh is people taking other people's time for granted. Yeah. Let's um hey gang, let's talk. Let's let's get it on. We have yeah. uh a lot of us have work to do. Thank you very much, Mike.
0: Yeah, anytime. And the good thing about uh Medi here is uh, one point that I do want to make is after he enters your organization and he gets you profitable, he's not going to just leave you out the drive because he's going to be checking back with you, if not quarterly, but yearly, uh, and giving you a follow-up KPI score. Yeah. Um, and, and, I I think that that's really what's going to set carevoyance apart is that yes, you're going to pay for them to come in and, and really change the dynamic of your club, but they're not going to leave you after that. They're going to keep caring for you and, uh, making sure that you guys stay, stay profitable for the long haul. So We just appreciate you. I am uh, Mike Fitzpatrick. This has been the R3 podcast, uh, Real Raw Relevant. And uh, I have not admittedly been very consistent with this podcast, but my studio is completely set to where now uh, there are no excuses and there will be multiple new episodes coming out along with other podcasts that I host, which is the legendary real estate podcast with loan officers and realtors and people in the mortgage business. So thank you guys so much. We appreciate you coming on and listening to the emergence of the next billion dollar company uh, (laughs) called Carevoyance and reach out to Mehdi if you need anything. Thanks so much.